When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the TLP Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Short. I'm glad you're listening today because I think you're going to leave with some good things to chew on, that if you take them and employ them, they will help you grow your practice. Today, I'm going to go through three metrics you need to be tracking, but I want to be very clear. We are not tracking them for the sake of tracking. Tracking metrics does nothing except point you in a direction of which to take action. You may have heard others talk about metrics-based practice management. I'm going to talk to you today about action-based practice management because that's what I believe in. That's what I see work. That's what my experience has shown me works the best, regardless if it was my own practice, working with my coaching clients, talking with all the docs that I worked with in Titans of Dentistry, and watching my partners, Derek and Steve. It all funnels back to taking action. Because you have to take action to get anywhere. Thinking, dreaming, measuring, planning, analyzing will get you nowhere without taking action. You don't win wars by sitting in an office at the Pentagon or in some bunker with your soldier buddies and analyzing the enemy's moves and coming up with a plan on what you should do and then saying, okay, we've got a plan. Let's call it a day. And we'll meet back here tomorrow and we'll analyze some more. Anybody can do that. The businesses that surround your office do not care for your patient's oral health. The iPhone dealer or the car dealer isn't advising your patients, hey, I know you'd like to have a new car, but really it's more responsible to get that tooth taken care of first. So you're in a war, whether you realize it or not, whether or how you choose to do battle is up to you. Here's another fantastic analogy, and I use fantastic very loosely. Let's say you're sitting on the edge of a pool, and on the other side is a nice palapa with one of those fancy coconut drinks just waiting for you. I can sit on the edge of that pool and gaze across, and I can analyze how many meters it is across, and what's the temp of the water, how many strokes it's going to take me to get across, the wind direction, wind speed, But until I actually get in the water and start swimming, I get nowhere. I get no closer to my goal. And by the time I've analyzed these 15 different factors that can be measured regardless if they have any determination on where I want to get to or not, I could have been across the pool sunbathing on the other side. Does it really matter what the water temp is? No. Does it really matter the wind speed or direction? Not really. And I have nothing against Dental Intel or PBN or Divergent or any of the metric tracking firms. I got to try one of those very early on, and after a week, I got rid of it. It just wasn't for me. I told myself, I'm spending too much time on my butt in front of the screen analyzing data, three quarters of which I didn't really need to know, when I should have been out in my office leading and producing dentistry, taking action. For me, that move paid off. And again, I'm not against those services. I'm not against metrics-based dental management. Maybe because I haven't 
just spent the time to even form an opinion about them, but that's their niche. Great. But I'm warning you, you need to be careful because what I see, and I talk to a lot of doctors, are docs confusing activity for productivity. Going back to my pool analogy, I see docs analyzing all those things I mentioned, then looking at the clock and being like, whoa, it's five o'clock. That was a full day. I really did something today. I'm going to have to come back tomorrow, but then the temp or the wind may have changed. So I'll have to reanalyze that data before jumping in the pool. In the meantime, I'm on the other side of my third coconut drink. Now, do we look at metrics and coaching? Of course we do, to an extent. But we often look at a much smaller subset that really makes the biggest impact. And then we move on to take the appropriate action. For example, pulling the right levers to get the results we really want to see. And that's where we often see things break down. is when the appropriate action is not taken to follow it up or we just have no action at all. Or maybe the doc thought that the action step was analyzing. Metrics can only take you so far. We use them only to point us in a direction to where we need to take action. And let's be real. This is the truth that everyone wants to avoid acknowledging. It's much easier to sit in front of your computer screen and look at all your fancy reports and feel like you're doing something productive. It's an easy sell to the masses, right? But in the end... That mentality creates a bunch of soldiers. Our goal at TLP is to create generals. It's easy to look at a screen by yourself sipping your coffee. It's hard to get out and train your team. It's hard to tell Mrs. Jones she needs three crowns. It's hard to hold a team accountable when you're scared to death. If you push them a little too hard, then they're going to leave you. And they're going to take all your patience with them. The real work takes place outside your private office, within your practice. If you're looking for comfort, then sit back and analyze until you're blue in the face. It's easy to plan your 5 a.m. workouts for the week. It's hard to not hit snooze and sleep in. It's easy to dream and wish and want. It's hard to execute. And I know I'm not talking to the masses here. I'm past that point in my life, my coaching career. I'd rather talk to the 10% who are really serious about taking their life and practice to another level. That's what excites me. I don't care about the other 90%. They probably have already turned this off. Real work that brings change is hard. First to tell you that. But you know what else is hard? Lack. The not being able to have something you really want or to see others living the life you want to be living, that's hard. Work is hard. Lack is hard. You get to choose your hard. So let's break this down to something you can actually take back and use right now in your office. What are some of my favorite metrics that, in my opinion, are actually worth tracking? Because yes, I'm all for hard work, but I'm not, or at least I like to think I'm not, stupid. I don't want to do hard work just for the sake of doing it. I'm not a fatalist. I want to be efficient to make sure the work I'm putting in is getting me the best bang for my buck. So let's go through them. Number one, 
My favorite, as I've mentioned many times before, is treatment diagnosis. No practice is perfect, including my own when I had one. But I've often said and firmly stand by that if you did nothing else in your practice but increase your diagnosis, our gold standard is three times your daily goal, your production and collections would increase. This doesn't mean make things up to pad your numbers. That would be unethical, which is a much larger problem than low production. It means sharing with your patients everything that could benefit their oral health and or self-confidence. Not being afraid someone will tell you no. Not making assumptions for the patient, such as, I'm sure this person does has no interest in spending five grand to correct their crooked, crowded smile, even though it will make them look younger, more attractive, and increase their self-confidence. I'm not even going to give them that option. If it helps you, you can think of increasing treatment diagnosis as giving patients more options. Imagine if every time you were getting ready to prep number 19 and 18 and 20 had big amalgam fillings in them, and you gave your patient a mirror and had them open their mouth and you asked them, do those silver fillings bother you? Because you're getting ready to replace the one in the middle, and it's going to look like a beautiful new white tooth. And if you wanted to, you could change the, out the other silver fillings in just a few minutes while you're already here, you're already numb, etc. And that would get rid of those black-looking fillings in your mouth. But what do we often do? First, most probably don't even think about it. But the ones that do often think, oh, They'd never want to do that. So we don't even offer. We make the decision for our patients. We don't even give them the option to have a better looking smile. We think we're being kinder by not saying anything and then telling the patient in six to 12 months, hey, good news. You got to come back and we get to replace those other fillings. And now the patient gets the luxury of taking off work again, getting another shot trying to find parking, going through COVID protocols, wasting another day. Oh, we are so nice. I've told this true story before, but early in my career, I worked in a smaller semi-rural area. And I had this patient, John, who was a farmer. And he'd come in two or three times by this time this story took place after breaking a tooth. And we'd fix it for him. By looking at John, you would think he probably didn't really have a pot to pee in financially. But he always paid to have his broken tooth fixed. He also hated wasting the time to drive into town, go to the dentist. He had more important things to do like all of us. So about the third time, I'm a slow learner and I was young. Even though I knew there was no way he'd go for it, I decided to stop being a puss and just offer to John what I could do. I said, John, this is the third time we've done this in a relatively short amount of time, right? He said, right. And each time it's inconvenient pain in the butt for you, right? That's the truth, Doc. Well, John, just so you know, I could go ahead and fix all your teeth for you that need it. So you don't have to keep coming back. He said, you could do that? I said, yeah. He said, how much is that going to cost? I said, probably about $10,000, John. And he sat there for a moment. And then he said, okay, let's get it done. Had you asked me beforehand what I thought the odds were that John would accept my offer, 
I would have told you about 0%. But that one conversation made me hundreds of thousands, if not million or more dollars over the rest of my career because it was a eureka moment for me. I wasn't going to be upset if John said no. I wouldn't have looked at him any differently. But I internalized what happened in that moment. From that moment on, I started giving my patients more options. I just let them know what I could do for them. If they wanted to do it, great. If not, no problem. But I knew I would never get on base if I didn't swing the bat. So stop being a puss and start giving your patients options. If they don't want it, they'll tell you no, and that's fine. Never once in my 13 years of practicing did I have a patient get mad or leave my practice because I let them know what I could do for them and then gave them the option to do it. Now, I don't want anyone giving themselves a free pass here to think, well, how often am I prepping 19 with amalgams on either side? Take the principle and apply it. Maybe you're doing a composite on 19, same scenario. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30, maybe it's 14. If you're looking for these situations, you're going to find them because you're probably dealing with them every day if your eyes are open. And I could go on and on with examples, but put in the work to look at where that same principle applies through all of your treatment planning. I had plenty of patients that were literally a 7 And then they got their teeth straightened or had veneers, and they were a solid nine. Who am I to not at least give them that option? If you don't, who in their life will? If any of you can make me a nine for five grand, email me today and I will wire you the money. Let's get started. So that's number one, treatment diagnosis. Number two, metric is re or pre-appointment rate. Every patient, or we use the number 85%, should have their next appointment set up before leaving your office. I recently read a metric that the lowest 10% of practices have a reappointment rate of 30%. The lowest 10% of practices have a reappointment rate of 30% or less. And the highest producing practices have a rate of 77% or higher. We use 85% because we want to be in the top 1% to 5% of practices. Hygiene should be scheduling in their rooms for patients' next cleaning appointment. Someone needs to be checking your operative patients when they finish up with you getting treatment done or whatever to make sure their next appointment is already scheduled, either back with you or for their next checkup. And the devil is in the details, as it is often. And this is where the action part comes in. How you ask the patient and the words you use can and will have a big impact on the results that you get. If your hygienist just says, would you like to set up your next cleaning? You're not going to be at 85% or higher. The answer is going to be no. Who wants to come back to the dentist? You have to train your team to know what to say and how to ask and then hold them accountable to execute correctly to improve and keep this number where you need it to be. And that is where most docs fall short. And really, the bar is set low, guys. It's not incredibly hard with some correctly directed effort to rise to the top. Because here's what happens 75 to 80% of the time regarding reappointment rate. A, doctors don't even know it. That's a big majority. If I called 10 offices, probably nine of them at least, and asked to talk to the doctor and said, hey, what's your reappointment rate in hygiene? Nine out of 10 aren't going to know it. 
B, doctors use fancy software to know the number and feel like they're on top of it because they know the number, regardless of what that number may be. This goes back to the activity doesn't equal productivity line. They don't do anything with the knowledge that they're paying to get. And see, doctors know the number. They know it's not where it should be and actually have asked their hygienist to get the number up or at least told them it was low with no instruction on how to improve it or accountability to make sure it increases and becomes gets to where we need it to be. If you don't have a high appointment or pre-appointment rate, you will either have an open back door or you will be spending too many resources tracking patients down to get them back on the schedule later when that time could be used more productively to better your practice in some other way. And number three, the third metric, new patients. New patients are often the lifeblood for the most of us. However, if we're doing a good job with the first two things I mentioned, you will often need less new patients to hit your goals. New patients do need to be tracked. We need to track how each patient is finding you. Marketing is not a one-size-fits-all. What works for some of my clients doesn't work for all of them. So often it takes some trial and error. But I always encourage to do the trial and error early on so you can find the recipe you need to follow earlier in your career, opposed to waiting years, then trying something and realize, oh, crap, this works great, and seeing you should have been doing that all along. The action that needs to happen with the data you get is refining your marketing. Thinking through the messages you put out there. If you have the data, 75% of my patients come from X and 25% come from Y, and your budget is split evenly between X and Y, that's running your business like a soldier, not a general. I'm not saying these three things will fix every problem in your office, but if you can nail all three of them, I can tell you it will solve a lot of problems in your office because I see it solve a lot of problems. But keep in mind, just knowing the numbers does absolutely nothing for you. Knowing even the right metrics or key metrics does nothing to move the needle. It's the action you take with that knowledge that does the work and has the ability to change your life. So thanks for listening today. As always, if you're interested in discussing working one-on-one to transform your practice in life, please reach out to us. You can reach us at Justin, Derek, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. Also, would you do me a favor? We put a lot of work into these podcasts and we're happy to do it. But if you're getting any value, we just ask that you'd rate and leave us a review on iTunes. If you're not getting getting any value, I'd encourage you to spend your time somewhere else that you are. Thanks. And until next week, peace.